What is going on, everybody? The podcast, Pete Forsey. Welcome back. Welcome in. If you are a new listener, quickly subscribe, review, share the podcast with your friends, your enemies, anyone and everyone. Let them know what we're doing here on the podcast. Coming at you with all the sports truth that you need to know. We are giving you refreshing takes, perspective you haven't heard before, all the mumbo-jumbo that you've heard from everybody else. We're just like the other guys, ultimately. Just a guy talking to the microphone here on June 29th on uh, a beautiful Midwestern day in St. Louis, Missouri. Appreciate you clicking play and listening to what we have to, to say here about sports. We got a couple things going on, most noteworthy. Not much going around in the NFL other than Deshaun Watson. Going to give updated thoughts there on him in this situation and where I kind of think it's headed, along with the Houston Astros are just dominating Major League Baseball. The Yankees, the Mets, New York, big media, obviously getting a lot of love, rightfully so, but the Astros, they're doing something that I think the Chicago Cubs wish they had done and could have easily done. They took a few hiccups along the way, though, the Chicago Cubs. We're going to touch on that. Touch on a lot. Major League Baseball, NFL, thanks for tuning in. It's episode 888 of the podcast. As of this recording, Deshaun Watson has not been handed down any suspension from, I think her name is Sue Robinson, used to be a, a senator or politician of some sort. I, I like It's one of those things I cannot even really like remember it all. Supreme Court this, congressman or congresswoman, senator, state rep. I'm just like, this is exhausting. I don't know how some people just stay up to date with politics and all the latest. Like, sports, I would feel like, is much easier as far as just keeping in tune with what's going on, all the little tidbits and reports and everything that's going on in the NFL or Major League Baseball. But politics, my God, that's got to be exhausting. But Sue Robinson, she's the one that's the arbitrator for this hearing between the NFL and Deshaun. And Florio a pro football talk, he came out last week and said that Deshaun's camp tried to negotiate with the NFL, basically saying, hey, we understand a suspension is happening. Even though he's saying he's innocent, he understands, even if that is proven out some way, somehow, the NFL is still going to seek a suspension. So they tried to negotiate. That always looked to me like a leak on the, the camp of Deshaun to make it seem like He's trying to negotiate here and act in good faith. And it was just kind of an ill-fated attempt. And the NFL, they're not messing around, man. They want one year. And I was texting in a group chat with a couple of pals. I'd have to look it up. It was last month. And I said, yeah, I think he gets one year. I think this is where it's headed. And the crazy part is I've had that conversation with some other people. I've heard other people bring that up themselves, just, you know, anecdotally, straw poll here, talking about friends, talking about ball, and nobody seems to be miffed by it. Yeah, year-long suspension. That is mind-boggling, that a guy would get suspended for a year, and then we as the, the public fully expect him to come back. That's outrageous. Normally, if you get suspended for a year, that's essentially saying you're out of this league. We, we, we're done with you. And you are so untouchable by every organization. This year-long suspension is just going to effectively end your career. 
But with Deshaun Watson, it's crazy. We're, we're going to expect him back in the NFL in, in 2023. And the Browns, they went all in. $230 million guaranteed dollars. And it's already an absolute all-time failure. All-time whiff. And the Browns, my goodness, I, you don't even know who to blame. Is it the Haslam's, the owners? Is it Barry, the general manager? Is it the coach? I tend to think it was the owners, which I'm scratching my head thinking about that. I guess they're just so desperate for quarterback play. But my, oh my, it's crazy that they made this move just a matter of weeks ago, and you didn't see this coming? You didn't think a year-long suspension was coming? The, the sheer cases, 20-plus, didn't scare you away, and then more came out? I mean, once you get to that number, again, Harvey Weinstein type numbers, it's it, which I'm 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 laughing at it because it's it's just comical how much it is and it's disgusting. Uh, Weinstein and if Deshaun is uh, a criminal here, that, that's disgusting too. But I'm laughing because it's just like Cleveland. How the hell were you ever comfortable knowing that 20 people when you traded for him were accusing him of heinous crimes? You didn't have any concern that more might come out? It's it's laughable where this thing is at, and by the time you're listening to this, maybe Deshaun Watson, where are we talking about 2023 when he plays football again? One thing that is getting harder and harder to deny is the Houston Astros' dominance in Major League Baseball. I think everybody knows it's happening, but this whole scandal that is brought up just ad nauseum by Bob Costas, who's great at his job. And I guess I get that you have to bring it up in some capacity, but it it feels like it's kind of time to move on. The scandal was kind of proven to be just less of a thing than we originally thought. They did not know what was coming every single pitch. Half the time it did not work. And any advantage that they had was ultimately marginal. They had excellent players, fantastic team, even without that uh, uh, little advantage, still could have very easily and likely would have made it to the World Series. Just just would have. Now, look, they, they got punished because you should, because there shouldn't be an advantage, and that's that. But the thing that I'm really looking at with Houston is just look at the core guys that are still on that team. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Yuri Gurriel, Verlander's still there. Uh, they just signed Alvarez to contract extensions before they got to free agency. Years before they got to free agency. And all I thought about was the Chicago Cubs. How they got nobody. Still have Wilson Contreras. Looks like he's going to leave. Neither side really wants to negotiate a contract. One of the best catchers in the game. And the Cubs have no interest in it. What sense does that make? Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo. Chris Bryant... Still playing pretty well. I know he's been hurt. Javi Baez, he's been a disappointment. Anthony Rizzo is hitting a home run, big-time home run, every other night in the Bronx. How did the Cubs get none of these guys? I think this is an issue of them falling captive to the the rookie contracts. They all were brought up. Forgot about Schwarber. You can throw him in there. They were all brought up during the 2015 season. And they all had their contracts expired during the same year. And instead of making a hard push, if you're Theo Epstein or Jed Hoyer, instead of making a hard push to sign these guys up soon, they just tried to take every ounce 
of the financial flexibility that they had and signed all these other players. And that's just not the way to do it. It's the way it was built, and that's how it ultimately crumbles down. When you look at the Astros, they got Bregman for 100 mil, just signed Alvarez earlier uh, this month, Altuve, who you think is like ancient at this point. He's only he's not even in his mid-30s yet. Hey, he's 32. He's already getting like his third contract from Houston. Houston did it right. They signed these guys up. They let some guys walk, including Keuchel, Correa, uh, Granky. you can throw in there. I remember even they traded that guy in uh, 2015. Uh, big, uh, stocky-looking guy. Kind of looked like Dan Ugla. His name, uh, I forget, Evan something. He went to the Braves. But he was like a home run leader for a second. Let him go. They know how to keep the wheels churning here. The Cubs went to the top really quickly, crashed and burned quickly as well. And they had some good years afterwards. But I think, and this is fascinating to me, because I still love this intangible psychological stuff. When you're the toast of the town, when you're 23, 24 years old, you take it to the mountaintop immediately like the Cubs did. Again, all brought up in 2015, 2016, won the World Series. How do you keep your edge? How do you show up early, put in the early work, chase greatness? How do you do it? I mean, in 2017, you're obviously trying to defend your title. That sounds cool. But then you lose in the playoffs. You come up short in 18, 19, 20, obviously shortened, weirder season. You just don't have the same mentality. How can you? You've already done what you set out to do. That's where it would have been in a theoretical perfect world. Obviously, if you're not Cubs fans, it would have been great for them to come up short in the playoffs time after time, kind of like the Dodgers did, and then take it home now after maybe a few of them got signed or when they're still trying to chase this thing and they want to do it with this group of players because they believe in them. Astros, they are a squad that they did it. They extended guys early. They have great negotiators, and I I think if you just look at it from a Cubs perspective, Theo, all-time great Hall of Famer. Jed Hoyer, he's hand-in-hand with him. I don't know exactly how much of a contribution he's given, but one thing that you look at Theo and the Jed tandem, they're just not so great at sustaining things, and you can look at the Astros of what could have been if you're a Cubs fan. One thing that is pretty stark, and it's hard to deny if you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, is their record against crappy teams, which they're doing what they need to do, taking care of business against teams that are snoozers. And then the good teams, you hope to you know, be average or even just a little bit better to kind of prove your salt a little bit. With the Cardinals, they've had the advantage of beating up on the Pirates and the Reds and the Royals and the, uh, the Marlins now. And you just got to think with how thin their starting pitching has gotten again and again, it's like the front office of the Cardinals is allergic to making a trade before the days leading up to to August 2. The starting pitching is a concern. Drew Verhagen, a guy who you thought might provide some starting innings, he's not even doing well in the bullpen. Slider is absolutely atrocious, cannot get anybody out. And then you have uh, Aaron Brooks, the, the guy from Japan, He isn't even pitching for anyone, let alone the Cardinals. And then you have Dakota Hudson, who just can't stay consistent. And Jack Flaherty, wouldn't you know, goes back on the IL again because of his shoulder because he was too immature to, to go through a rehab assignment. Starting pitching, once again, 
Cardinals front office thought they had it all figured out before the season, and here they are scrambling. John Lester, can you come out of retirement? J.A. Happ, are you still there? They're going to have to call on old Grizzly again to eat up some innings to get the best pitchers to stay healthy like they did at the end of last year. Uh, I do not... Ali Marmol, I mean, this is a tough task. A guy who's already pretty much called out the uh, the pitching staff that's underperforming in saying that he's not going to use Henesis Cabrera, he's not going to use Helsley, he's not going to use Gallegos in losing scores. He says, I'm not going to put him in if we're losing the game. And right now, they just don't have a guy that can help, uh, help the team tread water in the bullpen or even on the mound. The, the starters the past two weeks... They have not gone into the fifth all that often. It's it's been it's been mind boggling. Even even Wainwright, which you know Wainwright, he can't be perfect. He's going to be forty one here soon. I I think the Cardinals are going to have to make a move for an arm. It doesn't have to be Frankie Montas. Doesn't have to be uh, uh, it's thin as it is. I don't even know who they would really go for. It's going to have to be a middling uh, starting pitcher who just provides depth and and keeps the score even. And then hopefully you get the hitters who. Um, you know, I've been doing great. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Armado, Arenado, excuse me. Hopefully they can, uh, you know, give you a lead later in the game. But right now they are having issues when they're not playing the Marlins, when they're not playing the crappy teams, they're having issues getting ahead early and then keeping the damage to a minimum because there's a lot of relievers out there in that pen that are just not good enough at, uh, helping the team tread water. One thing that I'm pretty surprised about, I knew he missed Atlanta, but Freddie Freeman, that guy was in shambles all weekend. He misses Atlanta. Clayton Kershaw even said, whenever he gets comfortable, it's been announced Freddie Freeman is not comfortable in LA. He's playing great. He's just too talented, but you know he fired his agent, and now I'm seeing a, a Doug Gottlieb, of all people, reporting that Casey Close... His agent that he fired, Freddie Freeman, apparently didn't let him know of the Braves' final offer, and he found out this past weekend in Atlanta, which, my goodness, you you have to be absolutely beside yourself and just furious if you're Freddie Freeman. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of one of those unique situations. Albert Pujols, he left. He was fine. Miggy Cabrera, he left. He was traded, but then he extended it in Detroit. A lot of guys leave. Robbie Cano, he was fine. Um, there, there's a lot of legends that ultimately do end up leaving. But I, I can't recall someone, at least in the recent past, that was this distraught and this crumbled over it like Freeman is. And it hasn't affected his play so much, but each and every time, even with Los Angeles, it just seems to think, or it just seems to to be the conversation with Freddie. He's talking about Atlanta. He's talking about the Braves. He's not talking about the here and now. He's not talking about the future. It's all about last year. It's all about this past offseason. And at, at some point, you got to think, like, if you're a Dodgers player, if his play starts to uh, to dip a little bit, like, say he goes in that 0 for 50 stretch, not 0 for 50, but uh, you know what I mean, like 10 for 50 or, you know, a two-week stretch where he's just not hitting the ball and, you know, maybe some of these questions come back, like, hey, is your mind okay? Are you are, are are you thinking the right things? Like, are you thinking about last year? Are you thinking about your agent? You know, Freeman's gonna get tired of those questions. Maybe the Dodgers clubhouse gets tired of those questions, and it's gonna be something to monitor. I think he's a great player. I think he's gonna continue to have a great career. He's on track to be a Hall of Famer, but 
Uh, just something to keep an eye on. He fired his agent. The questions are still surrounding him as far as last year, last uh, winter in free agency and how it all went down. Now that he doesn't have an agent, anytime he goes on a, a bit of a uh, cold streak, it's going to be interesting to hear what he and Dodgers players have to say. The Miami Marlins fired Gary Denbo, their, their president of uh, player development. The Marlins are a weird organization, always have been, even under this new ownership group. You got Derek Jeter, who's an owner, and he also makes baseball decisions as far as transactions. He quits, gives up his stake in the team. Um, then you have uh, Kim Ang, first woman GM. She just like is allergic to making any sort of move, and any move that she makes, it's like you know one for one. Doesn't seem to be any sort of uh, a huge impact either which way. And then you have Gary Denbo fired despite the Marlins churning out power arm after power arm and having some pretty good players. They got a foundation. They just, you know, got to make their way through a, a powerful NL East loaded uh, loaded division. It's just a weird organization. And, I, you know, I don't know if it's an ownership thing and just being frugal and being cheap. Or is this just real constraints that we, the public, don't understand or like don't get when you're in a market like Miami they love baseball but the ownership doesn't know how to cater towards the brand or the type of entertainment product that they need and they're just they're not getting the cash flow and maybe we just don't get that like I don't know like I'm just starting to think like kind of with the Dolphins it's a different sport and different financial ramifications but like can you win in Miami like I I just I don't know I'm scratching my head with this but what I really wanted to talk about was the brawl out in Los Angeles with the Mariners and, and, and the Angels. And, man, I, I'm wearing my Rendon T-shirt right now, Anthony Rendon, Angels T-shirt. Love that player. He got suspended five games. And Jesse Winkers giving the bird to the crowd. That was a great, great baseball brawl. And one that I love to see because it still shows the code the brotherhood that is the locker room. Too many guys nowadays are worried about fines and I don't make enough money. I'm going to get suspended. This will hurt me in arbitration. Love when I see a brawl like that or like the ones with the Yankees and the Twins a couple years ago where Gary Sanchez, who now, funnily, you know, funny, you know, he plays for the Twins. He's throwing punches in a pile five years ago. And then you got Jesse Winker. Uh, he's throwing haymakers. Rendon, J.P. Crawford's going over the top. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I'm all about character. I'm all, I'm all about doing things the right way. I'm all also about the sanctity of the clubhouse. And if you're not out there because you're afraid of, well, one, getting hurt, two, the, what it might cost you in your, in your pocketbook, man, teammates will look at you the wrong way. And, you know, this thing lasted like four minutes. I was eating it up on Sunday. I was like in the car doing errands. But I was on my phone and Miss Taylor was uh, getting pissed at me. But I, I was eating it up, all of it. And I was like, holy smokes, you think it's over and then it's not over? And uh, next thing you know, the manager of the Angels gets 10, 10 games suspension. It's just like, this is wild. This is wild and I'd love to see it because it's almost a uh, it's almost a rare thing now when a brawl actually happens. A lot of times they just meet in the middle, nothing said. People are pushing each other backwards towards their dugout, nothing happens. This was an actual baseball brawl and I loved watching it. 
Aaron Judge, the center fielder, $19 million. It was paid out, or it wasn't paid out. It was agreed upon last week, the Yankees and Judge. Look, he's winning right now. There's no doubt about it. And I think if the Yankees, free agency comes, he asks for $300 million, whatever it is. Yeah, is it going to pain you? Are you going to do it? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. He's worth it. He's playing center field now. He's playing at an MVP level. Would it be hard for me to fall captive to this one year where he's actually staying healthy? Yeah, but you know what? Where are you just going to find production? Where are you just going to recreate production very easily like Aaron Judge is doing? Even when he is hurt, he's worth it. And you have the money, pay it. It would be a different story if you were the Cardinals. It would be a different story if you were the Indians, obviously. Even just mid-market teams. If you're not the Giants, if you're not the Angels, if you're not the Red Sox, Cubs, those big markets. Like the Yankees, you have the most money other than the Dodgers. And the Mets, they're probably going to scoop them up. I know there's these reports that like Cohen and Steinbrenner are like tight and Cohen wouldn't do that. But I mean, when Aaron Judge is out on the market and you got the money to pay him and you're Cohen, you fucking do it. That, that, that guy's proven that he'll snake somebody if he has to. Look at his history in the in the business world. And Aaron Judge, yeah, it's, it's going to be a pain point when you have to write a check that starts with a three. But he's also, he, he's a company guy. He's a captain. He is leading the charge here to the best season in Yankees history and forever. I mean, they put up the stats with the 1927 Yankees. They're on streak to be better. I mean, yeah, you, you just have to do it. And ultimately, you're going to be sick a little bit because you know it's going to get ugly. But don't get too distraught. 2023, 24, and 25, those are going to be prime judge years. He's going to give you a great chance for the World Series title. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Have a hot dog. Have a Budweiser. I always drink Budweiser's on 4th of July. See some fireworks. Uh, Enjoy yourself. But also, tell your friends when you got that koozie in your hand about the podcast and what we're doing here. And that that I can be reached at 816-226-7483. You can at me on social media at Pete4C. And you got the podcast at gmail.com, spelling the same as the title. So let them know that you can get in touch. You can clap back. I love the criticism. The more heat, the better. And yeah, subscribe, review, and enjoy your holiday. We'll see you guys next week.